Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. And if you want to hear more than just this highlight of the show, become a Coast Insider and you can listen to the complete program. Plus recent episodes featuring the true story of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the emerging field of regenerative medicine, and the mysterious site known as America's Stonehenge. Head on over to coasttocoastam.com and sign up for Coast Insider to start listening. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. How do you take on some of the most iconic characters in the world and make them your own? Our guest tonight has first-hand knowledge. Kenny Johnson is here with us. We've been talking on and off uh, on on air here and, and off air about some of these shows. Uh, one of my favorites. I, I grew up on the courtships of Eddie's father, so <laughs> I wanted Bill Bixby to be my dad. Not that I had anything against my dad, but I, I just wanted a cool hipster dad that, you know, sure. never hit. Right. So I was all about that. And then along comes the Incredible Hulk, which uh, I, I, I thought it was funny. I asked you off air, and I'll bring it up real quickly. Okay. I needed to know this because my buddies and I still have a, a bet about this growing up. When the, when the name was changed from the iconic Bruce Banner to David Banner as David Schrader, I was very happy that the superhero had my name. But the whole deal was i remember everybody talking about well they had to change the name because bruce just sounded way too gay for a lead character oh my oh my and you're you're aware of that weird urban legend right i have heard of that you know and it always makes me chuckle uh and and it's sort of sad and peculiar too uh but uh no the reason i i I was trying what I was trying to do when I did the, created the Hulk because they are they gave me the opportunity to do let me see what did they said we have five of the Marvel comic superheroes Captain America was one of them uh, the Man from Atlantis was one the Human Torch was one Mary Marvel was one or I think it was Ms Marvel right I, I remember Mary Marvel was, was DC right. right yeah and uh, and this thing ludicrous thing called the Incredible Hulk and I didn't want to do any of them you know <laughs> I mean I, I I was didn't I do it by a six million dollar man bionic woman already I'm becoming into the sci-fi pigeonhole you know. And uh, uh, but I but Susie, my wife, had given me, who's the most literate person I've ever known, except our daughter Katie, uh, had given me a copy of Les Miserables to read. And I was in the middle of reading it, so I had Jean Valjean and the fugitive and concept in my head. And I thought, oh well, let me see. There's a way to take a little Victor Hugo and a little bit of Robert Louis Stevenson's Jekyll and Hyde, and this ridiculous thing called The Incredible Hulk, and make it a an adult drama. And I said. I went to Frank Price, who was head of Universal and had been courting me about this. And I said, OK, look, I'll do it, but it's got to be done my way and it's got to be my casting. I don't want to have some actor shoved down my throat that you guys want. I want to know. So I want to know, you know, so they said, all right. And they uh, and I wrote the pilot for The Incredible Hulk in se- seven days, the whole two hour movie in seven days script. And we shot the white pages of my first draft. But when they sent the, the agent sent the draft to the only actor that I wanted to go to was Bill Bixby. And um, uh, and I, I'm told that when Bill was handed the script, Bill said, I don't even want to read anything that's called The Hulk. You know? right. <laughs> and his agent said, yes, you do. And Bill read it. And we had met each other just casually a couple times earlier. But, uh, uh, but I had seen him in a tel- television play in 1973 called Steam Bath. You mm-hmm. can get it on Netflix. It's a, it was a TV drama about people that are in a, a steam bath. Uh, Valerie Perrine, Bill Bixby, and, and several other people, and they slowly realize there's no way out and uh, that what they really are in is purgatory. And the little Puerto Rican steam bath attendant who is just sort of knocking around is really God. And, it's, it's, and Bill did a performance that was just to die for, and it stuck with me so strongly uh, for four years that when I was casting, uh, that when I said, who do I want? I said, I want Bill. 
you know, and uh, and he read the script and came in and said, are we really going to do it? Is it going to be like this? Do I get to suffer? Is it going to be a drama, a psychological drama? I said, yes, that's what I want to do. And uh, and that's that's what we set out to do. And, you know, we were we were very lucky and had a, had a good run. It's something when you're watching what is essentially a corny superhero movie and or a TV series and to have had the empathy and ethos that you brought. I, I remember crying at the end of episodes yeah, and I, you know, I wasn't an overly sensitive kid, yeah. but we all had that connection with kind of feeling like the loner at times and sometimes just not fitting in. And no matter how good things start to get you, you've kind of got the reality of life again. And then there, is there any more iconic scene in any TV program than the bag slung over the shoulder and the thumb going out? Doom, well, doom, doom, doom. That's right, and Joe Harnell's brilliant piece oh. of music that became iconic in its own right. Right. No, and that's that's exactly what uh, what I was striving for was, and that's as I said, echoes of that have come into the novel in the Man of Legends too, because here's a guy that is cursed essentially the same kind of way. It's the classic Greek tragedy where right. the hero brings down upon himself. The hero tampers with things better left to God, and the gods don't like that. And, and it's a reluctant hero. That's right. Oh, absolutely. Which well, makes it even better. If well, you've got a guy out there, that's why I always found characters like Superman and Captain America so bland. Mm -hmm. Because what else could they do? And in this case, he had to temper it because even in his hero form, he was a violent force oh, yeah, of nature. No, it was very bad. I think part of the reason it connected with so many people, um, and, and the largest audience was adult women. Uh, for no the show. kidding. Yes, the largest audience for the whole, for all of my shows has been adult women, and then adult men, and then teens, and then kids. In that order, it's like the perfect demographics. And I think, Dave, it's because I've always been more interested in in relationships and the emotional structure right. and and uh, uh, and and the characterizations of people uh, than I have in blowing things up and spaceships and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, V uh, was never about uh, reptilians and and big spaceships and everything. V was about power. And about how you uh, how you react, how different people react when uh, suddenly this hyperpower rolls into their life and changes their life forever. And how do they react to it? Well, some people will suck up to it, like the Vichy French did in World War II, was sucking up to the Nazis and aggrandize, to aggrandize themselves and to benefit themselves. Uh, the middle of the road people will say that they'll be the go along to get along people, and they'll keep my head down and they won't bother me. Uh, and then other people will say, no, 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 this is this power is being abused and we have to fight back. And that's that's what V was really about. Was it was Spartacus and the revolt of the slaves. It was the American Revolution. It was apartheid. It was all of that when an oppressed people, you know, are determined to fight back against a, a, a hyperpower. And um, uh, and the exciting thing for me now is that I discovered a couple of years ago that I own the motion picture rights to V. And we are setting out to try to do it, set it up as a really big movie. All of the major studios came after it. And, and you know, when something like that happens, you get a lot of new best friends in Hollywood, you know. And they all came after me and offered. So was this something you created or was this something you adapted no, from the v, story that existed? No, V came out of my pea brain. That uh, was yours. Yeah, exactly. And well, my, bravo, sir. That was truly well, one of the best sci-fi movies and, and miniseries I've ever seen. Well, I appreciate it. And it, you know what? It is it is the highest rated work of high, science fiction in the history of television. And, really? It even beat the day after? Yes. Uh, yeah, it was. Well, the day after was really more of a documentary drama. It right. Wasn't really but it had that sci-fi sci kind of creep factor well, of what's it like after not, the Holocaust. Or yeah, not but again, Holocaust, but again it, was, it, was, it was more of a what have you, then you'd have to say, well, Dr. Strangelove was science fiction too, or so was Failsafe science fiction. But right. I, I got gotcha. you. See what right. I mean? Right. Um, <clears throat> but V was, was clearly, you know, sort of purely science fiction. And, uh, uh, and so the plan, the game plan is to do V the movie first. And then I wrote a novel a few years ago called V the Second Generation, which picks the story up 
20 years later. So we have enough to do really a sci-fi trilogy. And uh, and we're endeavoring. I, I decided not to do it with the studios because I was concerned about getting edged out of the creative control. And Not you know, in Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> no. Could that happen? <laughs> no. No, no, no. But, but speaking of creative control, I have a funny uh, Stan Lee story uh, just quickly to share with you. For sure. the, the second two-hour movie that we did... Um, of the Incredible Hulk. Of the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I wrote a scene where the where the Hulk had to fight with a bear because I was always looking for worthy adversaries. Sure. You know? And um, uh, and I wrote a scene really good. And, and and I was sending the scripts to Stan just out of courtesy. He wasn't really that involved with the show, but I wanted him to see what was going on. And he called me and he said, "God, I love it. It's a scene with a bear is great. A robot. It, it's a bear is great. The fight is great. But you know, Kenny, it really, really ought to be a robot bear." And I said, no, Stan, let me explain why, okay? Uh, an audience, particularly an adult audience, will only buy so much, okay? They'll only give you so many buys. Right. And now, now, Stan, step back and think about this. We're asking the American people and the worldwide people to buy that Bill Bixby metamorphoses into Lou Ferrigno. I said, that's a really big buy, Stan. And now, not just Lou Ferrigno, but a green that, a Lou gr- Ferrigno. That's right. And he's green, which I said, Stan, why isn't he red? And, and I said, the color of rage is red, but they wouldn't let me change the color. Got to change his name, but not the color. Of, and, uh, uh, and I said, Stan, when you add a robot bear on top of that initial buy, you're out of the park and it doesn't make sense anymore. And it's no longer an adult show. And Stan and I went around and around about it for a week or more. He was on the East Coast and I was on the West. But finally he called me up and said, you know what? You're right. And he said, you, you got what you're saying is exactly right. I get it. And since then, he has so often said, bless his heart, that he wished I had done all of his shows because uh, because he really felt that the Hulk had had actually sort of kickstarted, you know, a, a lot of other things, too. Um, and uh, it was it was very rewarding to have somebody that I admire and uh, uh, as much as Stan to, you know, to, to come around to that feeling. Now, it's important as much as I love and respect Bill Bixby and the work that he did. Yeah, it's important for a lot of people to know because the end of the series itself, people just remember as the few two-hour movies: the Return of the Incredible Hulk, the something of the Incredible Hulk, and the death of the Incredible Hulk. And and they introduced Thor, and they introduced Matt Murdock, the Daredevil. Right. But you had nothing to do with those two-hour reunion movies. No, okay. I I stepped. I was not involved with any of those, and uh, and I, I have never even seen them. As a matter of fact, uh, because I uh, my friends who worked on them said you don't want to, no. Kenny. They were not what we did. It was not the quality. Because you see, the, the the theme that was running through all of the Hulk was the enemy within. That's right. what Bixby was was struggling with, and and I tried to use those that kind of theme all the way through because so many of us have different kinds of enemies within. With 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 Doctor Banner, it was anger, but with other people it's drugs it's drink it's alcohol it's obsession it's mm-hmm. greed it's whatever and we would do the th- shows that were thematically we uh, you know that so that we could really substantive have some substance underneath and i think that's probably what's made uh, why i've been so lucky to have, have created the things that really have become kind of iconic dave and stuck uh, because I, I, ne- I never got into this business to to, to to try to get rich or or be famous or anything like that i just wanted to be a good storyteller you know and and it was it was so important to me to to tell stories that were important. Uh, so what I've tried to do is take a high concept situation and then fill it with substance underneath. So that uh, when people, I get so many letters from people about V, for example, where they say, you know, when I was twelve or thirteen years old, I loved all the spaceships and the stuff. Now I'm thirty and thirty-five or so, and looking at it again and realizing. 
oh, there was a lot more going on here than I realized. It was all the the, the echoes of uh, the, the French resistance, of the echoes of Nazism, the echoes of uh, uh, the Holocaust, and all of that. Uh, and it's it's great when you can when you can take really deep, meaningful stuff like that and put it into a, a commercial shell that people will tune in to see, and then you can hopefully maybe make something that's a little thought-provoking. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.